0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Bible Tidbits podcast. As we continue on through the Book of Genesis today, we'll be in Chapter Two, Verse Four through Twenty Five, which Twenty Five is the last verse of Chapter Two. So we'll complete Chapter Two today. But before we get started, I want to read. Uh, this book is for, called None Else. It contains lots of meditations on God's character and attributes. I want to read this prayer that it has in here as we focus our hearts and our minds right now says this lord god i thank thee for the gift of knowing thee thou art a gracious covenant-keeping redeemer and the worth of knowing thee far surpasses anything else i could set my heart on grant me fresh views of thy glory in christ to awaken me from spiritual slumber as i pursue christ by faith continue to renew me in knowledge after thy image Grant me understanding through fearing and loving. Thee. Make my knowledge of thee bear fruit in all that is pleasing to thee. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start this morning, we need to know that the knowledge of God far surpasses anything else. And that's what we should focus our hearts and our minds on. We should have fresh views of his glory to awaken us. From any spiritual slumber we might be in. So, as we enter chapter 2, starting verse 4, we see the distinction right there in verse 4. These are the generations of. We talked in our overview section how that brackets off different sections of the Bible. And verse 4 says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens so we see this one's not followed by a genealogy but it's descriptive of creation as we still are in creation last week in chapter one we've seen a broad view of creation we've seen the days you know each put forth in about a paragraph each uh, as it worked through creation and that could almost be described as our zoomed out picture and now we're gonna zoom in to a specific point in creation the sixth the day and see more details from that day specifically. This kind of builds, as we talked about, the overview episode we did of the whole book of Genesis. We are looking at the forest, and then we stopped to look at the trees. Well, we kind of did that with creation as well. We started out looking at the forest of creation now. We're looking at the trees. We're zooming in to day six, which day six is important because it's the day that man was created. Um, The method of writing like this, where there's kind of a more broad thing and they zoom in um, to something specific like this, is typical among Genesis as well as other Old Testament locations. So there's nothing new with this form of writing, of documenting further. This isn't a separate thing, but this is further looking into something we've already covered. And this passage contains the creation of man, the creation of woman, and the institution of of marriage. And we see the institution of marriage and this passage about it in verse 24, quoted a lot in the New Testament. A few examples are Matthew 195, Mark 10 7, 1 Corinthians 6, 16, and Ephesians 5, 31. Marriage was made here in the creation of man and woman. That it begins in the beginning. Also in this section we see the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, Martin Luther refers to the tree of knowledge as Adam's church, altar, and pulpit. It's where God's glory was declared. It's where he was able to worship him. It was that that center there in the garden. And we see too, I want to think back to marriage once again. That we haven't yet had the fall. Here, sin has not yet entered the world. This is the paradise that we had that was lost. But marriage was created before it was lost. And this is the last section before the fall. It is the last piece of scriptures before sin enters the world. But we see that marriage is ahead of it. That creation of man and woman is ahead of it. So we were made before sin. Marriage was made before sin. And so in that it is good as we've seen throughout the creation story. A few other locations in the Bible that I think are important as we read this. In 1 Corinthians 15:45 it says this. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So here today we see the first Adam Become a living being. And then later in the Bible, we see Jesus, the last Adam, become a life-giving spirit. We also see that there's a repercussion. There's a command here that they should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or they shall surely die. We see in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin, which breaking that command would be sin, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the punishment for breaking even the tiniest of God's law is death. Just as it says, if we eat of this fruit, you will die. That was God's command. But luckily, we have the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. We have salvation in him. I also see in Acts chapter 17, verse 20, it says this. For in him we ha- we live and move and have our being. So it's through Jesus that we, we have our life. It's, or it's through God we have our life here. And we see it come about here in this chapter 2 of Genesis. In the first little section we we'll look at is verses 4 through 7. And verse 4 starts us off with that distinctive, these are the generations of. Which breaks us off from that first section. The first section we talked about was more hymnic. It had kind of a almost a melody to it and a, a beat to it and um, could be used in the worship of God. Well, this these are the generations of breaks us off from that. And as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, we have a transition here. Throughout the creation narrative that we see in the overview creation narrative, God's name is uses Elohim, which is his divine, all-powerful, sovereign name that's how he's referenced in those instances but here it's switched to yahweh and yahweh is his more personal name it's used whenever he makes a covenant as we'll see many covenants throughout the book of Moses or book of genesis so it's personal and we see that shift as god creates man and I want to start out looking at verse 5. We see that it's kind of a difficult verse because all the plants that are supposed to be created. But it says that there is no bush in the field, yet in the land there is no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. So that could be a difficult thing to read and understand as right as this passage opens up. And... What we see here is there, there's two references, bush of the field and plant of the field. And what this is pointing us to and can be most likely explained is that this is agricultural type context. Adam has not yet begun to work the land as he is called to do. Man is called to work. He has not yet begun this, so those plants of the field and bushes of the field are not yet there um... and the word used for make here also you know uh... no none of this had sprung up god decides he's going to make man here and he formed him out of the dust and like we said with create last week this is still an artistic connotation to that word make you know it was not just some mechanical process but it was a creation it was formed from nothing god didn't just start an assembly line for man but he was like an artisan sitting there crafting a pot or a woodworker that is chipping away the pieces to find the design in the block of wood you know and then god breathes life into us. God breathes life into Adam here. I want to read from Acts chapter 17 verse 28 real quick as it ties into our God breathing life into us. Acts 17:28 says this. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So in God we live and move and have our being. It's through his breathing life into us that we have it. So that documents the creation of man. Life is breathed into his nostrils as he's created From the dust, artistically. Before he had yet cultivated the land, he had to be made. And this takes us to verses 8 through 17. Which kind of gives us some information about the garden itself. See, this is a garden of divine creation and beauty. And man being in the garden symbolizes his being in the presence of of God, see the garden is not without work though. Chapter one, verse twenty-eight is a command to work. If we look back, said in verse twenty it says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over all of it. As he goes on, so it's not only to just exist, but they are to work the land, and he had not yet done that. We also see in this section that there's geographical information for Eden. And today the location remains elusive because we are not familiar with all of the geographical information that is given in today's age. But what we can make out of this, it was probably um, in an area that is often referred to as the Fertile Crescent. If you remember from a world history class, they probably talked about the Fertile Crescent crescent here and there's a few potentials but we see um, some of the rivers that we know of there and we see remains of past rivers that we don't know the names of in certain areas there um, so we don't still don't know we probably never will know exactly where Eden was but we know it was a beautiful land, and it wasn't a fertile land and we could connect it to that land but we do see that this land is rich in minerals, um, as we see mentions of gold and beryllium and onyx stone being there. Um, and get Adam, in this land, as he dwells in this beautiful land that's mineral rich, um, with many rivers flowing through it, he's given one command. And that command is to not eat the fruit of one tree and as we all know, he, he breaks that command in the next chapter. But here's where it was given to him. And then 18 through 25, we see the creation of woman. And so far, everything has been labeled good. The first thing to not be good, though, is for man to be alone. You know, there's a special sense and prominence in the creation of Of woman and throughout history women have been looked down upon and held back but that's not how it is in God's eyes he gives her this prominence here you know she's created to be man's helper you know they're equal but they have these different roles in life and then the first recorded words of Adam are a poem about his wife it says in verse twenty-three, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. The Hebrew words for woman is Isha, and for man is Ish. And so we see that they do sound alike, She shall be called Isha, for she was taken out of Ish. We see the the beauty in that poem that Adam exclaims as he sees his wife for the first time and i i want to encourage you this there's no biblical command for this but if there's any guys listening to this and you want some brownie points with your wife write a poem like that for her i would encourage you to do that um definitely lots of brownie points there especially if you get in trouble as i so often do with my wife we move then on verse 24 in this section after Adam proclaims this great poem his first words about the beauty of his wife you know we often think of poetry as not the most manly thing but you know the first man the first thing he ever did so we have that going for it but in verse 24 there's kind of an interesting wording it says therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The interesting thing about this is they didn't have a father or mother. You know, God created them. They weren't raised by anybody like we would think of that. But what this is pointing towards is the biblical design for marriage. We've seen last week that God created us in his image, male and female. So that kind of began our understanding of who we are as mankind you know we are we are the imago dei, the image of god and we are male or female we're one or the other we aren't we aren't both we aren't switching we aren't something else in between or anything like that but we're created that way we also see that marriage is to be between one man and one woman here in genesis chapter two before the fall We see that he shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. You know, Adam didn't have a father and mother, but this is the biblical design for marriage. We aren't to be married and go live in our parents' basement. We're to leave them and go hold fast to our wife, to take care of her, to be the man that she needs us to be, to be the man we're called through Scripture to exclaim poetry to her from time to time. or to become one flesh. In the union of marriage, there's a one man and one woman, and they themselves become one. And when they themselves become one, there's not to be a separation of that. As we know in our fallen, sinful world, there's so often separations of marriages But that's not how God designed it to be. And we see here too that this is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. So not only is this how God designed it to be, this is how God designed it to be in the perfect world. So there's such a beauty and such a prominence to marriage because it's not just some obscure thing we came up with. It's not some legal thing, which I say... If you are not in Christ, if you are not a Christian, if you have not been saved, marriage is nothing more than a legal act for you. But if you have been, marriage is a covenant. It's a promise between each of you, between the man and the woman, to be one all of their days, till death do them part, as is so often said in the vows. So who we are and who we are made to be in our relationships we have, that wasn't something that was come up with by us. That wasn't something that was come after the fall even. That was before sin came into the world and messed so many things up. We see the result of sin happening to the man and to the woman. We see the result of sin happening through marriages Today, divorce rates are higher than ever before, but realize this. That's not how God created it to be. God created marriage to be between one man and one woman, and they shall become one. And they shall not be separated from being one, and both of them are created in the image of God. So what a beautiful, zoomed-in view of the creation of man and woman. We see God breathing life into man and man exclaiming poetic joy at the view of his wife and God creating the institution of marriage and how it is good because everything that God created was good. It's always man that messes it up. And that will be coming next week as we look in Genesis chapter three verses one through 24 and see paradise lost. So I thank you all for joining me this week and I hope to see y'all then.